Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Sylvia Terra. She holds a PhD in biochemistry from the University of California at San Diego and an MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. And today, we're discussing her book, The Secret Life of Fat. Sylvia, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So what got you involved in writing about fat? Well, I struggled with fat my whole life. Um, I was a bit of a chubby kid, and I, I just always gained fat very, very easily. And I watched all kinds of people go on diets, lose by far more weight than I would. Um, people could eat a lot and not gain weight, and yet I feel like if it made a single transgression of eating a piece of candy or dessert, I'd suddenly I would be gaining weight and by far more than anyone else would. And I had that experience so many times that I thought, you know what, I'm going to understand fat. I've been on a number of diets. You know, some would work a little bit. I wouldn't lose as much as other people did. And sometimes I could even gain on a diet. And I thought before I go on one more diet, I'm going to understand my fat, which seems to be very stubborn and resilient fat. And uh, I'm a scientist by training, so I thought if anyone can understand fat at a real molecular level, I certainly can. And I went on a endeavor where I spent years, really for about five years, just reading every research paper I could find about fat. I talked to at least 50 scientists all around the world about their cutting-edge research on fat. And what I found out about fat was just so surprising. It was really astounding. I thought, I have to put this all in a book. I have to share it with everybody. And The Secret Life of Fat is that that book about the secrets about fat, what you need to know, and why it's very different than what we think it is. Well, you know, I, I think what you're saying is really important as well. I, I actually saw recently that uh, I think it was 40% of the, um, I think it was American population. I'm not sure if that includes Canada where I am, but 40% of the American population is is overweight, which is highest that it's ever been. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are wondering um, why they're in that situation the same way you were, because there are a lot of people who are making those conscious choices to do things, and then they're struggling the same way that you did. Yeah, and, you know, what I found at least is that it can be quite hard to lose weight. It's not the same for everyone. There's not a one diet fits all. Body types are very different. Our genetics play into it. Our gender plays in. Our age, even our bacteria that we host in our body, it all has to do with how much fat we have. So even if you feel like you're being really diligent, you're following this diet that everyone else is following, it might or might not work for you depending on all those factors. And that's really what the book is about, just understanding your particular fat and individualizing a diet to work for you. And that's really important because I've been on a number of diets and some worked a little bit, some didn't work at all. Like I said, some even made me gain weight and I got so, so tired of it and I thought I'm going to understand everything there is to know about fat. And so the book, you know, hopefully helps people pick a diet that works for them, understand why they might not be losing weight and at the very least helps get rid of some of that frustration and guilt people feel when they've, they've worked on a diet, they've tried and it just didn't work. It's not necessarily something you're doing wrong. It could just be your body type and you have to find a different path. So, you know, um, I, I hear stories like this all the time where people are like, I'm doing, you know, such and such a diet and I'm, uh, people are, don't believe me that that I'm doing it because I'm not losing weight or I'm gaining weight on it when I'm doing this. So I think what you're saying is going to, um, uh, you know, hit home with a lot of people because this is very common. So I was wondering if you, you said fat is individual and we all know, okay, we've got fat on our thighs or our stomach. We kind of pinch it. We go, okay, um, what am I going to do about this? Or as you said, feel guilty. But what what is that? Why is that so individual? Yes, so fat changes with age. You know, age is a really big factor in fat. And so as we age, we put it on a lot easier. So if you're struggling in your 40s, 50s, or whatever, it's because we don't respond to our own hormones as well as we used to. Right? So that's one thing. We don't respond to our testosterone, which is a fat burner, even estrogen, which is a, you know, also a fat burner. We don't respond as much. And so fat will pile up quite a bit. Um, there's a certain genes, actually, that help put on fat. I talk about one in The Secret Life of Fat called IRS-1. 
And depending on the variant you have of this gene, you might be storing away by far more fat. Um, you know, there's an upside to that is that it's keeping blood healthier. They, those people tend to have uh, cleaner blood, less triglyceride and less cholesterol, but they do store it in their fat. So they tend to be a little pudgier. Another gene actually is related to appetite. People who have it have a propensity to like really energy-dense foods and they gain weight. So there's a genetic component to it. Uh, gender is a big component. Women preferentially gain weight. They actually partition nutrients more into their fat than men. So when a man's going on a diet, you know, they are burning up a lot more fat than a woman would. And I, I'm sure women experience this all the time. But I actually found the biological reasons why all of that is happening. Women also respond to hunger signals more, and they tend to overcompensate. Um, there's viruses. You know, I write about one virus called 8036, that people who have this virus, who've ever had this virus, in their lives, they tend to pack on fat almost at three times the rate of people who don't have this virus, and they have a higher likelihood of being obese. And that's because once you have this virus, you know, it changes how you metabolize uh, you know, glucose, it stores more fat, and it creates more fat cells. Our bacteria in our gut also have to do with how much fat we're storing away. Some people's uh, microbiome actually extract more calories out of their food than other people who are passing more out of waste. So there's, there's all these factors about why your fat might be different than someone else's fat. And I actually live with, you know, my husband um, is somebody who can eat everything that he wants and not gain weight. And so I live with this example every day. And he actually passes a lot more. So I think, you know, he has a different kind of microbiome than I do. He, he doesn't absorb as many calories as I do. Um, his genetics, his whole family line tends to be thin. I think that's different as well. You know, he's a man, obviously. And even though, you know, we're, we're both, uh, you know, past our, our 20s and 30s at this point, he still manages to, to stay thin effortlessly. And, uh, you know, with age, I have found that it was quite different, too. And after having children, it was quite different. So, you know, people's fat, uh, the way we store it, um, how easily it packs on us, that's really individual depending on your genetics, your gender, your microbiome, and your age. And those are all things you really have to know, especially if you've struggled a lot. You have to get to where you understand why it's a struggle. And once you do, I think it's easier to adopt a diet that's actually going to work and not just beat your head against the wall trying to go on the diet that's the popular diet of the day that everyone else is doing. Well, you know, you're you're listing all these things that I think isn't mentioned to anybody who goes to the doctor and says I'm having trouble losing weight. They'll maybe get their thyroid tested and then told to go on a diet. Um, And, you know, your bacteria, viruses, genetics, hormones, um, age maybe gets mentioned to people. Um, And I, I think that is frustrating for a lot of people because, as you said, that guilt comes in of why am I like this when someone, my husband is you know <laughs> yeah and it's really important because when people feel guilty they tend to give up right they think well I just can't do it I'm a failure uh, they feel bad about themselves and it actually leads to a slippery slope where they just they don't want to diet anymore and they might as well eat cake because nothing's working anymore so giving people the tools to understand fat and understand why it's hard I think is very empowering I know some people think it's depressing when they, they learn all of these things and they find out, well, their fat's really resistant and stubborn because of their age or their genetics or something like that. But it actually can be very empowering once you understand this, that it's not just a lack of effort. It's not just something you're doing wrong. And, you know, most general practitioners, they don't, um, they're not specialists in fat, right? So, so they have maybe just, a, you know, a general physiology class that they have and, and they have some of the popular dogma on how to lose weight. But unless you really, you know, truly have done a study on fat, truly understand it, it's not something that gets talked a whole lot about uh, in medical uh, conferences, you know, in those places they go, or even in the literature. You have to really go looking for it and put it together. And I know my book, The Secret Life of Fat, it's done particularly well with physicians. Uh, They have found it to be very interesting. I know through word of mouth it's gotten out because it's not something that's necessarily covered in medical school or conferences. You have to go looking for the information. So um, in your book, you talk about two types of fat. Can you tell us what those are? Yeah, so there's, there's actually all kinds of different fats. So the type of fat that we want to lose typically is white fat, and that's the fat that's in your thighs, your buttocks, your arms, all that excess fat you see everywhere. There's also brown fat, and this is fat that actually burns energy. It doesn't store energy as much as it does burn it off. And that fat is around your heart region, around your spine, and it actually helps keep our bodies warm. It has a role in that. Um, and there's this fat all over the place. There's a lot of fat in your brain. We have these, uh, you know, 
uh, a coating called myelin, which actually helps insulate our nerve cells. And that's 80% made of fat. So fat's actually really important. There's actually the bad kind of fat, too, and that is visceral fat. And that's the fat that's underneath your stomach wall, nestled against your internal organs. And that is it's also a form of white fat, but it's in the wrong place. And so uh, when people have a lot of belly fat, you know, if you lie down, you still have a big paunch there. That is probably visceral fat that is underneath your stomach wall. And so, you know, white fat, there's subcutaneous white fat. That's the type I talked about that's in your thighs and arms um, and in your buttock area. But then the visceral white fat is underneath the stomach wall. And so that's the type you really have to watch out for. There are cases of people where they have high levels of subcutaneous fat, and I write about this in the book. Uh, An example is sumo wrestlers. So sumo wrestlers are obviously very heavy, um, but all of it is mostly subcutaneous fat. They don't actually don't have a lot of visceral fat. And therefore, they're actually, their, their triglyceride levels is normal. Their cholesterol levels are normal. They have a good metabolic profile. So you can be fat but fit if your fat is in the right place. So um, what do we do to regulate the, the fat? So how, how do we know what different type we have and, and what's causing our, our issues? Yeah, so like I said, the one test you could do for visceral fat is um, to see if you have an abundance of it. If you have belly fat, you know, you lie on the floor. If your uh, stomach flattens at that point, then it's probably not visceral fat, it's subcutaneous fat. But if you still have a paunch when you lie down, then that is probably fat underneath your stomach wall that doesn't dissipate easily. And if you do have a lot of visceral fat, um, you know, clearly one thing to do is lose fat overall. You know, go on a diet, eat less, eat healthy, lose some fat. But another key measure is exercise. What's interesting about fat is fat's not just sitting there. It's not just the storage of calories. It turns out that fat is actually an organ. And when I say that, I mean that it actually releases hormones into our body. Uh, it produces unique hormones, and it releases them into our body. And those hormones have an enormous effect on everything, from our bones, our brain, even wound healing, um, all kinds of different functions, reproductive functions. So you have to understand what fat really is if you want to lose it. And because fat is important, and because it is an organ and your whole body depends on it, fat is actually endowed with all kinds of ways to preserve itself to stay on you because your body thinks it's important. And unless you understand what those are, it's even harder to lose it. You know, one example is that um, fat also produces a hormone called leptin, and leptin controls our appetite. So when we start losing fat, we have less leptin, and that leads to a much higher appetite. We want to eat all the time when we start losing fat. Um, It also leads to an obsession with fat. They've done studies on, on people's brain and how they think. Um, after they've lost about 10% of their body weight. And people who've lost weight tend to be more obsessive about food. They think about it more, they put larger portions on their plate, and they also uh, they react to it differently. They, their brains light up more when they see images of food compared to people who haven't lost weight. So we change as we're losing weight, which means it's harder to stay on a diet, but you have to know this. This isn't you failing. It's not you being weak. Your body is actually changing to make you want food more once you start losing weight. And so persistence is really key, and I give a number of examples in the book about how to stay on a diet, um, how to fight those urges. You know, a lot of it's just kind of brain tricks that we can do and just knowing that you're on, on uh, you know, a different type of path now that you've lost some weight. The, the, the second part is our fat releases another hormone called adiponectin when we exercise. And so adiponectin is very interesting, and adiponectin actually helps clear our blood of triglycerides, and it puts circulating fats into our subcutaneous fat and away from our visceral fat. And this is why sumo wrestlers, although they're obese, they they are healthy, have healthy fat, if you will. It's staying away from their visceral area because they exercise for about seven hours a day. And when you exercise, the fat releases adiponectin. Adiponectin clears the blood of any circulating fats, and it puts it into subcutaneous fat, which is why sumo wrestlers are fat but actually fit. And it's funny, when, when they come off of their exercise regime, when they retire, they quickly get visceral fat. And so because they're not exercising, not having an adiponectin. So there, there are a number of things you can do, and they're, they're probably too numerous to even mention all of them in this interview. But, you know, the key is, is to understand what fat is. It's an organ. It's releasing hormones. Understand which hormones it's releasing and how you can make that work for you instead of against you if you are trying to lose weight. 
Well, we're going to take a quick break. I want to talk about this more when we get back. We're talking today with Sylvia Terra, and we're discussing her book, The Secret Life of Fat. So we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step-by-step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now, your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Sylvia Terra. We're discussing her book, The Secret Life of Fat. So, Sylvia, um, you, you've mentioned a few times um, about the hormones that, uh, that have to do with fat and how that... Uh, can you just uh, explain all of that for us? Yes. I mean, the hormones that, that we... There's a number of them. So, there's the hormones that fat makes itself. Fat is actually an endocrine organ. It's producing hormones and releasing it into the body. And you know, we talked about leptin. That's the main hormone that fat releases and that controls our appetite. And it controls even our metabolism. So, when, when we lose fat, we lose leptin. We get a higher appetite, but also we our metabolism gets lower. Leptin has us at a normal, healthy metabolism, and when we start to lose fat and have less leptin, our muscle cells actually get more efficient and burn fewer calories. So that's a really important one. Adiponectin we talked about, and that's another hormone released by fat, and it helps distribute fat into the right places, into our subcutaneous fat and away from our visceral fat. So fat produces hormone and sends it into the bloodstream, which affects a whole bunch of things in our body. Um, that it's actually, you know, our, our brains depend on some of these hormones. Our bones depend on it. Even like wound healing will depend on leptin. It affects so many things. Our reproductive system, people who are very low fat actually have trouble with reproduction because so many of our, our organs are depending on fat and the hormones it produces. But in addition to producing hormones, fat can also respond to other hormones in our body. 
So fat cells have receptors um, or a way to listen, if you will, to react to other hormones in the body, including estrogen and testosterone and growth hormone. And as we age, they, they have fewer of these receptors on the surface, and the, the concentration or distribution of these receptors change. And so it doesn't respond as well to other hormones in the body. So even though, um, you know, it's a double whammy, really, because now as we age, we have lower levels of these hormones in our body, and also our fat doesn't respond as well. And so it's a real kind of communication system going on in the body, and most people don't think of it that way, but fat is talking to other organs in our body. It's talking to our brain, talking to our bones, and it's also listening to what's going on through, the, through these hormones um, and through its, its receptors. And so it's a whole communication uh, system going on. And, uh, you know, it, it's complex, but it's important to know, particularly if you, you know, if you have had trouble with fat, you've had stubborn fat, it's not going away. You don't understand why. Once you start understanding fat's role in the body, how it's communicating within the body, um, you can start uh, you know, understanding why you might be having this difficulty and, more importantly, understand why a diet is or isn't working for you and what you can do about it. So um, you mentioned that fat's talking to our, our brain and our, our bones. How is that affecting us? Yeah, so uh, fat has a direct link with bone. It's very interesting. They seem to communicate with each other. So people who are a little bit heavier tend to have thicker bones, higher bone mass. And people who are very thin don't. And one reason is that our fat produces estrogen as well. So it's not just, uh, you know, ovaries and women that's producing estrogen. Fat is actually producing those too. So when you get to very low levels, um, you have less estrogen. And estrogen is key for bone development and bone thickness. And so that's one. Um, also, the weight-bearing effects of, of having some fat also has to do with developing healthy bones. So people who are too light actually have bones that are more fragile. And so, you know, of course, having obesity is not good. That's undue weight on your bones, and that is not a good thing, and it affects your hormone levels. But a healthy level of fat is really important, and they find it's particularly important for teenage girls. That's when they're developing bone, and that's when they're depending on estrogen. And if they get too thin in those years, it actually can affect their bone development. So that's one key one. Um, another one is wound healing. Surprisingly, uh, when we when we heal, that wound healing process depends on leptin as well. So if you have too low of fat, like people with anorexia nervosa, they actually take longer to heal than people who have a healthy amount of fat. Uh, reproductive organs depend on leptin and estrogen, both of which are produced by fat. And I know uh, I talked to some reproductive specialists. They say athletes who get to a very thin level of fat, female athletes, or people with an eating disorder, they actually have trouble reproducing, and they often need to have hormones injected into them because they're not naturally producing that on their own. And even brain size is linked to fat. So a study in mice, if they've uh, had gene mutations and they don't produce leptin, um, they have smaller brains. And, and people with anorexia nervosa also start to lose brain mass as well because your brain also depends on leptin produced by fat to be healthy. So fat's not it's just sitting there. It's not just excess calories and we have to get rid of it at all costs. Fat has a whole bunch of different functions in our body. Um, it affects, you know, like I said, brain, reproductive organs, wound healing, even our immune system in general depends on healthy fat. And so you really have to, you know, think about it. You have to respect your fat in a way. Respect its importance. At the same time, keep it healthy. There's all these campaigns to keep your lungs healthy, keep your colon healthy, keep your heart healthy. Yeah, we actually need one, a campaign to keep your fat healthy. You don't want to get rid of it all. You want to have a healthy layer of it, not too much, not too little, because fat is actually quite important to your body. So, um you mentioned earlier one thing that can can affect um, fat is uh, viruses and bacteria, which sounds like there's a, an immune component as well. What, what's happening with all of that? Yeah, so well, the immune component, it's not necessarily that. We always have a high number of bacteria in our body. They just coexist with us. We live with them. They're part of our body, really. Same thing for viruses. We all catch them. We deal with them. Um, and, and we get over it. But you know, those things that happen can actually leave a mark on our body. All those, all those viruses, microorganisms, bacteria that we host, they are part of our body now and part of our metabolism. And depending on what you have in you, it will affect you know, how, how much uh, fat you have. It can affect how you digest your food, how, many, how much calories you're extracting out of your food. And so I do talk about one virus that I think is very interesting. It's called AD36. And uh, people who have had this AD36 virus tend to be heavier than people who have never had the virus. 
and they have three times the rate of obesity uh, compared to people who don't have the virus. And there's a very interesting story about how this was all discovered. It was discovered by a, a, a scientist from India named Nikhil Durander, and I write about his story at length, and his story on its own should probably be a movie uh, because he had a real conviction. He was seeing this happen with chickens in India. They were getting fatter. Uh, the ones with viruses were getting fatter than, than the ones who didn't have this particular virus. And he, uh, he tested, you know, in humans, too, and people who had ever carried this virus. He, he did the test for people who had carried it versus those who had not. The ones who had carried this virus uh, actually had a higher fat level as well. And so he had this conviction that there's something here. And uh, he finally came to the U.S. He wanted to be in the best practices, uh, you know, U.S. universities to study this and, and really come through. And it took him a long time. He couldn't get the virus in the U.S., but he finally got a very similar virus he found in, in the U.S. called AD36. And he did his testing here, and he found all the same things. And, um, you know, animals who had this, this virus got fatter. And then when he tested in humans, uh, he could do a test to see if they had ever carried the virus in their lives. And people who had carried it, um, you know, like I said, they had three times the rate of obesity. They had more fat overall. And studying on, on why this is so, what he found is that people who have had this virus, they tend to absorb more glucose out of their blood. They create more fat molecules and they create more fat cells. And so they have this kind of changed body once they've carried this virus. And so I write about a, a man named Randy um, who experienced this firsthand. Um, he had struggled with fat his whole life. And uh, he got to the point where he was 300 pounds, he had diabetes, and he really didn't know what to do. And he finally landed in the hospital just because the situation became so dire. And uh, the physician at the hospital, you know, finally said, well, there's this weight program in the University of Wisconsin. Why don't you go there? They, they might be able to help you. And that's exactly when Nikhil Durander was, was working, where he was doing his research at the time. And so Randy met up with, with uh, Nikhil Durander. You know, he had his blood test done. And sure enough, he was someone who had carried the AD36 virus. And once he understood this and he understood what it meant and why his body was gaining weight easily, why he felt hungry all the time, like I said, knowledge is power. He was actually able to get things under control. He understood now it wasn't all his fault, which led him to, to not go down the slippery slope and just give in and binge once he understood you know, why he was gaining so much fat. And he's now just a, really an example of success. He runs every day. He understands he just has to eat less, less than most people if he wants to be normal weight or wants to be thin. And that's where understanding your fat really helps you. Once you understand how bacteria and viruses play in, you're now empowered. And you might have to eat less than more people, but now you know that and you can decide what you want to do. And I know for Randy, he exercises very regularly. He eats, you know, he's about six foot something and he eats about 1,200 calories a day. And he knows he has to do this just because he is positive for this virus. And so knowledge is power in this, this case. And you know, the bacteria in our gut also have an effect, and I have a whole chapter on that as well, just how that's affecting you. And certain types of bacteria will help extract more calories out of our food versus other types. And really what we want is a high diversity of bacteria in our gut. And that comes from eating and just an abundance of fruits and vegetables, a high diversity of, of those foods. People who tend to eat just a lot of saturated fat and carbs, they have more of a type of uh, bacterial called formicides, and that actually helps extract more calories out of their foods. Not only are they getting more calories in their diet, they're extracting more of it as well. Whereas people who are on a high vegetable kind of salad diet, if you will, they tend to have more, more diversity and they have a different type of bacteria called bacteroidetes, which also absorbs less calories out of your gut. So they're getting less calories and they're passing more of them as waste. So thin begets thin and fat begets fat in a way when you talk about the microbiome and all very complex stuff, but I tried to make it very easy to understand in the book. Um, I tell it through stories of people and doctors, which I think helps people understand it. And it's important to know, especially, again, if you have fat, that just won't leave you. Well, with the microbiome, I mean, that's something that people are finally starting to talk about more than they used to. Is there a way that people can control that so that, you know, if they realize that might be an issue and, and they want to make it um, easier to lose weight with their microbiome? Yeah, I don't know if ways yet to interject different bacteria. I mean, there are probiotics and prebiotics, but you can get a lot of uh, producing the right microbiome by what you eat. That's a key one right there. And, you know, like I said, so eating high fat, eating high carb, it, it changes your distribution in your microbiome to be of a, of a type that actually extracts more calories out of food 
And so not only are you eating more energy, more energy-dense foods, you're also extracting more. And it's just fat begets fat in that case. If you have, if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, things that are fibrous, right, they, they are training your bacterial distribution to be one that adopts that. And so those bacteria actually then don't, don't, they're not tilted towards the type that extract a lot of calories. They're tilted towards the type that actually produce more waste. So you're getting a lot more, you know, fiber. So you're giving, what you're doing is you're giving your microbiome a run for the money. It's not easy to digest the stuff. It's very fibrous, has a lot of water content, and more of it's passing as waste, and you're producing more bacteria that don't extract as much. So I think a key way to train your microbiome is based on what you eat, and I do write about some of that um, in the book as well. Um, there are prebiotics, things that help develop your, your mucosal lining in your gut. So eating a lot of things like artichokes, bananas, legumes, that helps. That helps build up a kind of barrier in your gut so you're not absorbing as much as well. So the gut barrier is really important. Um, and then, you know, I don't know as much of probiotics working here. I think that's being studied uh, quite a bit. But really, I think prebiotics and also just what you eat in general. I know there's research being done on can you inject somehow uh, different uh, bacteria in the gut that will help this, and we're just not there yet. So I think that the key things are what you eat uh, is basically going to train, train your microbiome. Um, well, let's talk about that after the break. Um, we'll be back shortly. We're talking to Sylvia Terra, and we're discussing her book, The Secret Life of Fat. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What does health look like in an ailing world? How do we tend what needs our care? Join Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio hosts each week as we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Today's woman faces a stressful world when it comes to staying healthy. We are bombarded by media messages with contradicting ideas about fitness and nutrition. We need to keep our diet, relationships, and stress in check. It's time to get the right message and have the most fun. Join hosts Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighaus for Healthy View Radio. It's health and happiness in one show every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Sylvia Terra, and we're discussing her book, The Secret Life of Fat. So, Sylvia, you mentioned that there were some foods that we could eat just to help us. What would those be? Yep. So, you know, things like legumes are good prebiotics to have. Things like artichokes and bananas 
um, they all help quite a bit. And what they do is they help, you know, repair the mucosal lining. They help foster the right kind of uh, bacteria. And so those are things you want to eat. Onions are good as well. They will help. Um, and also just the diversity, you know, things like salads, things that have a lot of, uh, you know, leafy greens are very good, things that are fibrous foods. And I think that's what to stick with. It. You know, of course, you can have carbs and you can stick with whole beef. That is not you know, bad unless you're on a gluten-free diet, um, you know, some meats. But have diversity. Don't just sit around and eat Cheetos and real high-fat foods if you want to have a healthy microbiome. Um, so in, in your book, you also talk about intermittent fasting. Can you tell us how that's important? Yeah, so this is very interesting. This is something I adopted because I have incredibly stubborn fat. So my fat doesn't move. I can go on all kinds of diets, and it will stick there. Maybe after a month, I'll lose a pound. That's how bad it is. And so I actually came upon this um, almost on my own. I just kind of discovered it. I noticed that if I didn't eat after a certain time of the day, um, I did a, a, a periodic fast like that during the day, I, w- I could lose weight really quickly all of a sudden. And quickly, I mean like, you know, half a pound a day, not like pounds a day. I still have trouble, you know, losing weight. But I started to wonder why. Why was that working? And I did a whole, you know, when I was writing the book, all the research I did, I started to understand why. And what's interesting is that um, when we fast, uh, we produce, uh, you know, a, a number of different hormones. Our body reacts differently. And not only are you clearing yourself out of calories, but, you know, we produce ghrelin, a hormone, um, you know, that is involved in producing that hunger sensation. Ghrelin actually helps promote another hormone, which is growth hormone. And growth hormone is something we have in abundance as we're growing up. Um, it helps build tissue. It helps burn fat. And, you know, that's the key. It helps burn fat. So as we produce more uh, growth hormone during a fast, we're burning through calories. We're burning through our fat. And it's one of the great uh, metabolizers of fat, if you will. And our growth hormone levels peak in the middle of the night. And when you fast, you extend the fast, that overnight fast, to a little longer period of time, uh, it's thought that it helps extend the release of growth hormones. So you're getting it for longer, which is helping you burn off fat. And so what's what's thought is like a 16-hour fast, you know, is pretty good if you can do that overnight, which really just means stopping to eat around 6 o'clock at night, not eating again until 9 o'clock or so the next day. And that will help extend the release of growth hormone which is excellent. And that's one of the things I found is, is one of the few things that actually works for me. So I stop eating actually a little bit earlier than that. I'll stop eating around 4 o'clock, something around there, and I won't eat until about 9 or 10 o'clock the next day. So I do a little bit of a longer fast. And uh, almost without fail, it's the one thing that works. I also like this idea of intermittent fasting because I find you have to be less careful about what you do eat in your eating hours. I have a really bad sweet tooth, and I know when I try to go on diets where it's no sugar, you know, no carbs, I have trouble with that. I have trouble staying on it for the long haul. And that's another key finding I have in my book is that you have to find a diet that works for you for years because you're not necessarily going to come off this. If you've had stubborn fat, you've been heavy in the past, and you're trying to keep it off you now, you know, maintain a lower weight. It's harder. It's harder because, like I said, your leptin levels are lower, and they stay lower for years after you lose weight, and that drives to higher appetite. It drives to lower metabolism. So in a way, you're on this diet for a very long time, if not permanently. So find one that works for you for years. And so me and my sweet tooth has always caused a problem for me. And uh, with the intermittent fasting, I find I can have a little bit of sugar during the day, and it's not the end of the world. As long as I do that fast overnight, I can still lose weight or maintain a lower weight. So it gives you more flexibility in what you do eat. You just eat for a shorter period during the day. Um, you know, and, and then exercise also is going to be a really key thing here. When we exercise, we produce growth hormone, but we also produce testosterone. And testosterone is a fantastic fat burner. And so incorporate that in. Uh, you have to do it over time. If you, if you do it all at the same time, it just produces an unbelievable hunger. So I, I find it's best to get into a good eating regimen, control the hours that you eat, and then work exercise in slowly. But basically how you know, intermittent fasting work, works is that uh, it, it helps um, extend the release of growth hormone, and it actually clears out your body a little bit as well. And it, it actually helps with willpower, and that's another finding that in intermittent fasting, people who do that tend to have higher willpower overall, and they're able to control their appetite, and uh, their appetite uh, uh, also subsides a little bit too. 
Well, you know, I, I, I've done, uh, we've talked about intermittent fasting on, on the show before, and it's actually a, a topic that I've grown to love, although I didn't in the beginning. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at, um, you know, when I started to read about leptin many years ago, and then everybody was snacking at that time, we we're eating five, six meals a day. Um, and that was actually putting that stress on our body. Can you just explain what, what's happening when we're doing that as opposed to the fasting? So if you're snacking all the time, you're never getting to that kind of depleted state where you're producing some ghrelin, which is helping growth hormone come out. But, you know, I'll have to say that that diet works for a lot of people. And so an important thing I have to get across here is that there's not one diet that works for everyone. Intermittent fasting is something I adopted. For some people, it's impossible. They get too hungry. They can't get through the night. It's not right for them. And so the whole idea of snacking five or six times a day, if it's working for you, you'll be able to stay at a good weight, you're able to lose weight if you need to, then you should do it. The good thing about that diet is you're never really that hungry because you are snacking during the day. Um, I found when I tried that kind of diet, it could work, but I had to exercise for about two hours a day to make that diet work for me. So everyone's really individual in how they respond to diets, how they respond to foods, and how they respond to exercise. And I do write about that in The Secret Life of Fat, like the different effects it has on people. So if that's not working for you, if you're trying that five to six meals a day, you're not losing weight, then maybe time to try something else, either try ratcheting up your, your exercise or try a different diet altogether. And so for me, um, what I found is that lifestyle wasn't working. Uh, not only was I not losing weight, I had to exercise a lot, and I found it hard to eat five or six times a day. I know I work, uh, I travel, I give lectures, I do all kinds of things. So preparing foods all the time, working in five to six times where I could get a break to eat was really hard. So find a diet that works for you biologically. Your body is responding to it. works for you psychologically. You find you can stay on it, and it works for your lifestyle that you, you can adopt it and make it work for you. Um, so, you know, that that's one way to do it, the multiple meals. The other way was just it's intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting, you know, as I mentioned, you have this long time where you're not eating, and that helps promote the release of growth hormone, and that's a great fat burner. I do get hungry at night, and I do have to find ways to get through it and distract myself, but I'm able to get through it. And so for me, it's a clean sweep. It helps me metabolize my fat. Um, and it helps actually, I find, build up a lot of self-control. If I do it after a few days, uh, I'm empowered now and I can get through it. And also my hunger subsides after a while. It's only hard really for the first couple of weeks. And after that, it gets much easier. And it is actually metabolizing fat, I find, faster. And it is helping with growth hormone as well. So um, in, in your book, you talk about xenoestrogens. Can you explain how, how that's affecting us? Yeah, so there are things um, that actually, in plastics, in different places that are, you know, those xenoestrogens, and they can actually help make us gain weight, and I talk about this a bit in the book. So things like, um, you know, pesticides, plastics, certain kinds of plants, they have these xenoestrogens in them, and when we eat them, what it does is it causes the production of another protein called sex hormone binding globulin, and that. That protein helps stop this up. It helps soak up like a sponge some of these xenoestrogens in our body that are coming from plastics, coming from certain types of plants, and uh, and coming from uh, pesticides as well, and preservatives. That's another one. But in the process of stopping those up, what they do is they actually also uh, soak up some testosterone. And you don't want to do that because, as I said, testosterone is a great fat burner. And so people who are getting a lot of these xenoestrogens in their diet, they can gain weight because they're not, their, their hormones overall are changing. They're not having as much testosterone either. And I write about uh, one man in, the, in, in my book, I write about him where uh, he didn't know it, but he was getting a lot of uh, plastics in his diet. So he was, he was cooking, uh, they were cooking hot food and they were putting it in plastic containers. And then he was microwaving those plastic containers the next day to eat it. And he found that over time that he lost some of his drive. Like he used to be a bungee jumper. He was like a kind of thrill sports person. And he lost some of that. And he was getting uh, visceral fat. He noticed a lot of fat in his belly. And he couldn't quite understand what was happening to him. And he went to you know, a doctor who was actually quite savvy about this. And she tested him for his uh, SHBG levels. 
I found they were very high. So they went through this whole diagnostic of what are you eating, what are you doing, and that's when they came upon this, that they, you know, he had just been newly married and he adopted this new lifestyle of, of cooking, you know, putting hot food in these plastic containers, and that's why he started gaining weight because of the FHBG was, was quite high. And so uh, he made this change where he put it into glass containers instead, and sure enough, some of his drive came back because testosterone levels were recovering, and he was able to burn more fat. And so it can be surprising, but some of these other things like plastic, Plastics, preservatives, you know, they, they can have an effect if you're getting them in abundance. If you're getting them in small amounts, um, which is what most of us do, it's, it's usually not a problem. So I don't want to send out a lot of fear out there. But if you are getting them in high amounts, um, which happens in some, some areas that have certain levels of high pesticides or like what uh, this man was doing, his name was Jerry, you know, if you're microwaving food and plastics a lot all the time, then that can have an effect. And it's just another thing to know if you have stubborn fat, it's something you have to think about. Um, if you are if you are gaining weight quickly and you don't really understand why. Well, yeah, I'm thankful that, that this is, I mean, we've been talking about plastics for a long time, but but this topic is becoming more well-known because I, I think um, having done shows, talking about the toxicity in our world, I mean, it it's, um, can also be, you know, that new carpet off-gassing or your furniture or your renovations, um, which has happened to me. And I, I, uh, I once moved into a brand new office and I gained 20 pounds almost overnight, um, came wow. from, from nowhere, you know, and, and and nobody talked about how that could actually be affecting me. And it took a few years because way back when no one was even talking about this. Um, so um, it took a while to understand that that's what was happening. Yeah, it's very elusive, right? And I think, you know, that's why I say if you really have trouble with weight, you're gaining quickly, faster than other people around you or trouble losing it really start to understand your fat. And I hope what The Secret Life of Fat does is it puts everything in one book. So there's a multiple topics on it. And it's a really good primer about fat if you're just getting into understanding fat. Um, but there's so many different things that people don't understand that factor into how much fat we have. And it's not all gluttony and sloth, which is what society tends to think it is. You see a fat person and they're like, oh, it's so obvious they're overeating and they're not exercising. And while that's true of lots of people, there are also a lot of people who are pretty conscientious and they are watching what they eat and they are trying to exercise and they're staying fat. And for those cases, that's really what the secret life of fat, those are the people it's really aimed at. You know, you've had trouble with fat and, uh, you know, you feel like you're making an effort and not losing weight. Then in that case, really understand what factors into fat and it might be something surprising. And I'm, I'm really glad you diagnosed your own situation because that, that would be a tough one. How did you finally come about that? How did you figure it out? Um, well, I left that office and I started to feel better. I had other symptoms as well. And I had I have chronic Lyme, so it triggered that. And so we just thought it was that. Um, and then after I left that office, a few years later, I did um, some renovations um, in my house and reacted to those. And then it became very obvious what had happened. And then looking back, I could see that relationship. But it took a few times. And even though I had seen many people to figure out why I couldn't recover from what was going on, it didn't occur to anybody that the office I was in was, ab the whole building was brand new. So, you know, it was off-gassing from the floors, the ceiling, the furniture, everything. So it was a very extreme situation as well. And it, it didn't occur to anybody. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's elusive. It's not something your general medical practitioner no. would know about. It's kind of specialized knowledge. Fat is really special, specialized knowledge. And at some obesity centers, they know some of this. And, but I have to say, even some of the people I interviewed who were at obesity centers, they didn't know everything I was writing about. Some of my information was even new to them. So I'm hoping the big effort I took of, of just researching fat for five years, it helps people. I put everything together in one book if you really want to understand your fat. And even if you don't have a weight problem, it's just an interesting read. I think most people had no idea fat could do all the things that I, I write about. Fat can really fight back. Um, it can divert blood supply to itself. It can control our brains. It can do all kinds of interesting things. And uh, it's just a good read overall. Something surprising about what we thought was just dumb blubber. Well, I, I agree with you. It, it is a good read, and, and we're going to have to finish the show, but I, I really encourage everybody to pick this book up, especially with knowing that 40% of Americans are now overweight. It could, it's not necessarily um, what you're eating and what you're doing, and this book can definitely help you. So, Sylvia, how can people get a hold of this book um, if they want to find out more? Yeah, sure. So you can pick up the book on Amazon.com. Uh, it's there. It's at the major bookstores as well, Barnes & Noble, I bet. 
Um, you can go to my website. You can get it there. And I do want to tell people I am developing a, a course for the book also. I know that uh, there was a lot of facts and there are a lot to digest, and sometimes it's hard to know what exactly do I do with all of this info. So if you go to my website, which is thesecretlifeoffat.com, um, or you can go to sylviatara.com um, too, um, you've put in your, your email address, and as I develop the course, I'll communicate it out to everybody as well. And uh, I'm on Facebook at Sylvia Tara PhD and on Twitter at the same handle, and so you, you can reach me there and get some of the writings I have and some of the tips that I put out there. But the book is a great primer, and I'll be putting out more material over time just to help people integrate it into their lives, all that information. Well, perfect. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Be sure to pick this book up. Again, it's called The Secret Life of Fat by Sylvia Terra. Thanks again for listening and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness.